This episode's gonna be perfect. I'm Kevin Leeson. Promission. Isis to Isis, crust to crust. I'm Torn Atkinson. I'm not frigid. I'm a cryobiologist. I'm Dr. Katie Marshall. On this episode, we go hunting for Nazi cold. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Freezing is the physical process of solidification anytime a liquid turns into a solid. And I've got a few terms here that we're going to be using. Cryogenics is the physics of low temperature. Cryobiology is the study of low temperature effects on organisms. Cryosurgery is the use of low temperature to destroy tissue, like uh, removing warts and things like that. Right. And cryonics is freezing dead people in the hopes that later on you can bring them back to life. Okay. okay. And at every single stage, uh, there's somebody weeping. Quietly nearby. Cry? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's me. Oh, mostly that? it's me. <laughs> who's that? Hi. With us today, we've got Dr. Katie Marshall. Oh, hi. Hello. Uh, all right, Dr. Katie, let's get it out of the way. Uh huh. Oh, oh, what? I have to prove myself. What I? are your bona fides? Well, I have a PhD from the University of Western Ontario. Where I know uh, I'm all fancy. You can talk, call me Dr. Freeze. <laughs> And uh, I studied low temperature effects on insects, many, many insects. So low the t- temperature effects on insects? Uh, well, uh, in three words or less, what were your conclusions? Uh, lots of freezing really bad. It was a lot of words, That's sorry. Too, too many words. <laughs> lots of freezing bad. Freezing bad. Mm-hmm. There you go. Freezing bad. Perfect. Yeah. Word origin, freezing comes from Old English friozen, turned to ice from the Proto-Indo-European root prius to freeze, and that's P-R-E-U-S. Now what about cryo? Mm-hmm. Cryo is uh, is Greek? Yes. And it means, I think, freezing cold. So that mm. makes sense. Yeah, again, because they would cryo when, when they, they were cold. Because yeah. they're in the Mediterranean. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Cryo is the Latinized form of the Greek cryo with a K, which uh, is a form of creos, icy cold. Mm-hmm. Oh, related to crust. A crust of ice. Ah, oh. A little icicle on, your, on the tip of your nose. Okay. That's a cryo right mm. there. How does Krusty the Clown fit in? <laughs> hey, it's cold out. <laughs> Cryophobia is the fear of cold, whereas frigophobia is the fear of becoming too cold. And the fear okay. of uh, the refrigerator Perry from the 1986 championship Chicago Bears. A very valid fear. I mm-hmm. think that guy was enormous. I'm was. confused about the fact that it's called a refrigerator. Shouldn't it just be called a refrigerator? Uh, most people call it a fridge. I call it a fridge, not a refridge. Okay. Open up the fridge. Get me a beer. Mm-hmm. Mm. See? They, they just kind of rolled yeah, right off the tongue. Yeah, go to the refridge and get me a beer. People don't say that. Nope. Okay, I guess I'll stop calling it a refrigerator all the time. Mm-hmm. Just call it a fridge. Or an icebox. Icebox. Well, you know what the re comes from is when you take it out of the refrigerator at the store. Right. And then you, oh. you have that like 20 minutes oh, between the store so and the house. So the ones at the store are refrigerators. refrigerators. The ones at home is the refrigerator. refrigerator. Got right. it. Unless you cook something at home and then you put it in there for the first time and then under those circumstances, it's a refrigerator. Now, what happens if you buy it at the store and then bring it home and then take it to somewhere to picnic but then don't finish it so you put it in the cooler? Does that make the cooler a re-refrigerator? No, uh, because no, I don't think it's uh, strong enough to get refrigerated in a cooler. I think that's just cooler. It keeps it cool. But okay. it could have been refrigerated before it went into the cooler. But that still just means he's keeping it cool. Yeah. But don't put it in your warmer. Keep it in your cooler. Yeah. We don't call ovens rewarmers. That is true. That is true. The physics of freezing. 
Here's the thing that, that was odd that Katie told me when we were going over the research for this. Water actually doesn't freeze at zero degrees Celsius. What? Mm-hmm. I know. Frozen water melts at zero degrees Celsius. Okay. But the uh, oh. you can theoretically supercool water at one atmosphere to about negative 48 degrees centigrade before it turns to ice sometimes. Yeah. Supercool it. So, so tell me about supercooling. Uh, supercooling is a, this really sort of strange effect that happens because water needs something to nucleate, or ice needs something to nucleate around. What is a nucleate? So nucleation... Oh, I know what that oh, is. Oh, oh, what do you nucleate with? It's when a bomb eats something. Definitely. I mean, that's exactly every time that something freezes, there's a bomb, it goes off. Mm-hmm. It's very messy in the lab, I mm-hmm. tell you. Um, so basically for freezing to happen, freezing is when something... Cr- crystallizes, right? So all the water molecules kind of form this really nice lattice shape. Mm -hmm. Nucleation is when that kind of begins. And so you can have substances in the water that promote that arrangement of molecules that then will will form a lattice. Um, But without something for that water to nucleate around, and you can just keep cooling the water, cooling the water until it hits what's called the homogenous nucleation point, which is around minus 48 degrees, mm-hmm. the more water you have, the more likely it is that you're actually going to have water molecules hit exactly that right shape. So if you like, say, if I do have, you know, these boring Saturday nights, you can, and it's really cold out because you live in Canada, like some of us are dumb enough to do, you can put out a bottle of water. If it gets cold enough, that bottle of water can go down well below zero degrees Celsius in the morning. It's still unfrozen. You can shake that bottle of water and bam, it will suddenly crystallize and form oh. ice. So there's all kinds of videos on YouTube about that. If again, you have a boring Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And how does the shaking affect things? So what that does is it kind of just takes all those water molecules and just kind of like moves them around enough so that some of them are more likely to hit just that right confirmation. It's kind of like shaking up puzzle pieces that yeah. have a much better chance to fit together. So you shake them and eventually some of them start to form together. And what happens as soon as you get like a couple of ice crystals forming, then they become nucleations for the rest. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. So it's one of those things that as soon as you have like a few molecules that are perfectly in that shape, they just kind of promote that shape and all the molecules around them. So it kind of like forms a template for the rest of of the ice crystals. Mm. I wish Jigsaw Puzzle did work that way. Just get it and (laughs) not even take it out of the box. Just shake it up and then there, it's done. I think think they call those pictures. Oh, okay. (laughs) A thousand monkeys with a thousand uh, uh, puzzle boxes for a thousand years where they all just continually shake them. One of them will eventually get an assembled puzzle at the end of it. That's almost exactly right, except instead of monkeys, we're talking molecules. And they're Mm -hmm. like our millions and millions and millions of molecules, and you're shaking them all up. Mm -hmm. Monkey-locules. Yeah, monkey-locules. Mythbusters, actually, has a great video about uh, super-cooled beer that I recommend checking out. Oh. Yeah. Super cool beer. That's the one where when you actually drink it, you become Shaft. Oh. Right? Well, with most beers, you think you become Shaft. (laughs) Oh, is this going to be a perception versus reality thing? (laughs) I don't like those conversations. My perceptions should become reality. (laughs) You know, the best beer is the coldest one, right? Mm -hmm. That's what advertising taught me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Once freezing of a biological system begins, there are a few mechanisms for damage. Uh, Oh, uh, 1D4. Yeah, because those are pointy, and you don't want that when you're cold. (laughs) Freeze concentration, so dissolved molecules are squeezed out and can become toxic due to high concentration. Can you explain a little bit about that? Okay, so when water starts freezing, Mm -hmm. 
And like all the water in my body? Mm-hmm. Like the water in your body, <laughs> let's say. You've had a long night, you're out, you're starting to freeze a little bit because it's chilly. Um, what happens is those water molecules start forming that lattice shape. And what they'll do is they'll start squeezing out any solutes that happen to be dissolved in that water. So mm-hmm. if you've got like your blood, you have solutes in there like sugars or, um, or electrolytes that uh, are just part of your, your blood and part of your physiology. Those start getting squeezed out as soon as ice crystals start forming. So this right. is why you can have like say an iceberg, you know, in the ocean and that iceberg is fresh water. It's because and you know, people chip off the bits of the iceberg. Oh, because and the salt has been pushed out from exactly. the crystallization process. Okay. Yes. Ah. So it does the same thing in your bloodstream. Absolutely. With important things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you start getting these like super concentrated bits of salt and sugars in your in your body, that's that can be really So toxic. if you mm-hmm. want a fresh of I want a cup of fresh water Right. And you don't want to drink blood, just freeze your arm and then put the faucet in there. Oh, okay, perfect. Right? Yeah, that makes yep. perfect sense. Yes. The faucet insertion might be a bit of a tricky surgery, but... Uh, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, intracellular freezing, which is freezing in the cells that damage the cell contents. Right, so we separate freezing into two types of freezing in the body. So extracellular, that means outside of the cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some organisms that can survive that, but intracellular freezing, which is freezing within the cells, can then damage all the really sensitive parts of the cells. So the organelles, you, you've got things like DNA in there that are really important, the enzymes. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those can be really badly damaged by the formation of ice crystals. Okay. And it's almost always fatal. And direct mechanical damage by ice crystals. So, Because um, they're pointy. Yes, <laughs> and sharp. It's really not complicated. Uh, there's a eminent Canadian cryobiologist who calls it pokey ice disease. Pokey ice <laughs> disease. <laughs> That's a technical term? Yeah, well, he used it in a lecture, so... Well, <laughs> freezing scientists... Precedent has been set. ...are a little more loosey-goosey <laughs> with their terminology yeah. than other Oh, I have loosey-goosey disease. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. I don't know if you want to share that. That's when you your neck is like super wobbly, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, mechanical damage. So we're talking um, rupture of your cell membranes, which are really important for, you know, cell Keeping function. all the important parts inside. For, for yes. living. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for living. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can definitely be damaging. And also just tissue damage. So you've got organs in your body that you would prefer to remain unstabbed by ice crystals, probably. Right. And then there is the toxic buildup of anaerobic byproducts, if all the rest of that hasn't already killed you. Yeah, so metabolism continues um, in an organism that's frozen. So within the cell, that remains unfrozen because intracellular freezing has hopefully been avoided to survive all those other things. Um, Usually metabolism is anaerobic, so that means that there's no oxygen. And the reason for that is delivering oxygen in a frozen state is a really tricky thing. Right, because it's got to get through all that lattice work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the most common phase for water in the universe is amorphous ice. Amorphous. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, this is So it's ice. when it's slowly rolling. So it's the snowball uh-huh. that starts small in one shape, and then it rolls down the hill and gets bigger in a slightly different shape. Now, amorphous uh, ice is a sculpture in the shape of Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, amorphous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Amorphous ice. Mm-hmm. That guy's cool. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah hey, that guy, hey whoever we were just does... waiting for a cool joke. Yeah. <laughs> So amorphous ice. So I, I've been talking all along, like ice has this really nice crystal lattice shape that uh-huh. uh, is really ordered and, and everything's great. Amorphous ice is when those water, those molecules within the, the solid form actually remain disordered. So it's like imagine the water molecules in a liquid, but they've just stopped moving exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. And so 
the great thing about that, um, this is actually the process of forming uh, amorphous ice is what we call vitrification. So that's forming a glass. Mm, what about vitriolification? That's what I have all the time. Vitriolification, mm-hmm. dare I ask? Oh, that's when I yell at somebody. Yeah, uh-huh. your vitriol. Yeah. No. yeah, they've been vitriolified when they've been yelled <laughs> at by me. A little bit different from that, I, uh-huh. I would say. But if you form a glass, I mean... This is like a really awesome way potentially to survive freezing um, because you don't have all those ice crystals, right? That can squeeze out solutes. They don't uh, form those nasty pokey ice disease crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is actually a way of actually cryopreserving tissue or other Right, so you, you'll introduce chemical things that will make it so that you don't form ice crystals when your body freezes. Yes. Or so hope, the idea. hope that that's So this <laughs> is like biological antifreeze? Uh, no. So we'll actually go through some biological antifreezes. Vitrification is a process. Okay. So it's a physical process of is it forming a natural, sort of thing. Is it a natural process? Absolutely. So amorphous ice is um, the most common form of water in the known uni- universe. It can happen with just pure water if it f- cools really, really fast. So oh, we're talking okay. like thousands of degrees per minute. Kind Flash of fast. freeze. Flash freeze, like super fast. So the crystals right. don't, have a time, don't have time to form kind exactly. of a thing. Exactly. Right. They just yeah. get stopped right in their tracks. Right. Right. But by the addition of antifreeze compounds, which I guess we can go over in a bit, you can actually promote vitrification over ice crystals. So this is like uh, water's, uh, you know, a flash freezing version of musical chairs. You just stop right where you are. <laughs> yep. Everyone, yep. halt, freeze. Yep. Yep. Nobody move. Yeah, definitely. Here's a note that Katie has said lots of times during <laughs> research. Uh-huh. People don't actually freeze to death. What, do we heat to death? No, you die of hypothermia first. So you you technically are dead before you're frozen. Would it be possible for me to freeze to death? I guess you could Under be flash frozen. Under circumstances? Uh, it's actually surprisingly difficult to flash freeze a human body. So you're a relatively large mammal. No offense. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. And you're also very hot. So hey. there we go. Oh. Oh. She, <laughs> she gives with hot. one hand and takes away with another. <laughs> Definitely. And it's surprisingly difficult to cool down a large hot mammal. So for instance, I have, and you know, don't tell my bosses, but I have, you know, dipped my hand in liquid nitrogen um, because I dropped something in the liquid nitrogen. And, oh, you know, my iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, oh, my forceps, but you know, okay. yeah. And uh, you actually, because you're so warm, you just, you don't really... You're, it's not like you flash freeze your hand when you do that. Okay. Right. Because if Tolu right. has taught me anything, when you dip something for one second in liquid nitrogen, <laughs> you can smash it on a yeah. table. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, mm. What actually happens when your body goes into liquid nitrogen is it causes um, a whole bunch of that liquid nitrogen to evaporate. So you get this kind of layer of like just um, gaseous nitrogen around you, which is actually pretty insulative. So mm-hmm. flash freezing human body, surprisingly difficult. Um, there's organizations that attempt to do this and it still takes them on the order of like hours and hours and hours to do mm. it. So. so very difficult. What you actually die of is hypothermia. Okay. Which I think we talked a little bit about in our Dangerous Expeditions episode, but... Uh, yeah, I think we also talked about it in uh, our... Blizzards? Nope. Maybe. Maybe we did could, that too. Could be blizzards. But I'm thinking of the lost at sea, the the marine oh, mishaps. Oh, yes. yes. That's, you're totally right because right. Uh, the, water the water would cool you down. Yeah. So I'll go over this very quickly. Uh, hypothermia is often defined as any body temperature below 35 degrees Celsius, 95 Fahrenheit. With this method is divided into degrees of severity based on your core temperature. There's basically oh four mm-hmm. different stages, uh, stage one, two, three, four. Uh, stage one is uh, symptoms are awake and shivering, and your temperature is from 32 to 35 degrees Celsius. 
Stage two, you are drowsy and not shivering. That's uh, moderate, and that's mm. 28 to 32 degrees. Well, that's a bad sign. Stage this happens three, to me every night. <laughs> <laughs> drowsy and not shivering. Yeah. Ah, I'm in my bed. Uh, stage three, you are unconscious and not shivering anymore, and that is a severe hypothermia. Your body temperature is 20 to 28 degrees Celsius. Stage four, that is no vital signs. That is profound hypothermia because you're dead. Indeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, typically your body temperature is uh, 20 degrees centigrade or less. That seems like an understatement calling that profound hypothermia. I I, I think you should call it fatal hypothermia. Yeah, I guess so. Cataclysmic. Well, there have been people who have survived um, oh. core body temperatures of below 20 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. Um, Did but they have a core meltdown? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, wouldn't it be like a core cool down as opposed to... Mm-hmm. A, yeah, uh, yeah core know. slowing, a core mm-hmm. freezing. There are two really curious symptoms of hypothermia. Uh, one of them is... One is you got a hypodermic needle sticking out all over you. And the in second your, one your is you're drinking out of a thermos. Hmm. Cup of soup. And, and or coffee and or tea. Hmm, You've got a curious. massive thing full of coffee. It's your mm-hmm. hypothermos. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Paradoxical undressing. Ooh, this sounds sexy. <laughs> yeah, well, except that you're dying. Uh, 20 mm-hmm. to 50% of hypothermia deaths are associated with paradoxical undressing. Right, you go with a <laughs> smile. This, yeah, I get, well, I'm dead anyway. Mm-hmm. This typically occurs during moderate to severe hypothermia as the person becomes disoriented, confused, and combative. They may begin discarding their clothing, which in turn increases the rate of heat loss. Oh. Is this because they're combative? They're like throwing their clothes at you, like, get away from me! Ah! Take this toque and shove it. Paradoxical undressing sounds like when you're when you have like a a flesh colored suit on or something. Oh, you're taking your or you're uh, you're wearing slim good bodies outfit with all the internal organs on the outside and you're taking that off. Oh my god, that's some kind of paradoxical undressing. Right, because you're not actually undressed, but you appear to be. (laughs) Uh I like it. Or well, you're wearing a dress that, you know, has some sort of paradoxical statement on it. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Ceci, Ceci n'est mm-hmm. pas un dress. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, there are a couple of explanations. One is that it's a cold-induced malfunction of the hypothalamus, which is uh, the part of your brain responsible for regulating body temperature. Uh, another explanation is that the muscles contracting peripheral blood vessels become exhausted mm-hmm. and relax, leading to a sudden surge of blood and heat to the extremities, which fool you into thinking that you're overheated. Right. So just all of a sudden, blood shoots to places that haven't had it in a while, and you're like, oh, now I'm hot. So you take your clothes off. Mm. The second is terminal burrowing. <laughs> What do you guys think that is? Well, it sounds like you dig until you're dead, right? It's a terminal illness. Um, I think I'm um, I'm digging a tunnel underneath the last SkyTrain station. (laughs) Terminal burrowing. All right. It's also known as hide and die syndrome. Hide Hide and and die. die. Yeah. It's an apparent hide and die. It's an apparent self-protective behavior. (laughs) The old hide and die sounds like something from Sweden, right? Something you pay for. It's the place where you hide from everybody while you change colors of your clothing. No, no, I go to IKEA and get a hide and die. Hide and die. Oh, I see. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's it's the what they call their ice cream. Their soft serve ice cream. <laughs> I got I got a hide and die in a waffle cone. Damn it! Now I want ice cream. Yeah, uh, I do that to people. An apparent self-protective behavior, which is known as terminal burrowing, occurs in the final stages of hypothermia. The afflicted will enter small enclosed spaces, such as underneath beds or behind wardrobes. It's often associated with paradoxical undressing, as previously mm-hmm, mentioned. Right. You Re- take off all my clothes and hide under bed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Researchers claim that this is, quote, obviously an autonomous process of the brainstem, which is triggered in the final state of hypothermia and produces a primitive and burrowing-like behavior of protection, as seen in hibernating animals. 
Okay. Oh, okay. wow. I'm becoming a bear. Yeah. It's very cold out. Yeah. Actually, I'm becoming a bear. Well, In some communities, you may be called a bear already. All right. Common mm-hmm. misconception, bears don't actually hibernate. It's true. I'm becoming a squirrel. <laughs> there we go. 13-line yeah. ground squirrel. All right. Yeah. This happens mostly in cases where temperature drops slowly. So if you're slowly getting colder and colder and colder, eventually you'll reach the point where you're so cold, you just, you've taken off all your clothes and you just go into some little cave and die. Dig yourself a hole. You hide and you die. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the, I guess, where, what situation would I be in where this would happen to me? That I would have somewhere to like. You're out in the I'm woods. Thinking, you're out in the woods right. with not enough clothes on. Okay. You start. You've been out there I for a couple for a of days. Hike, I went on a hiking expedition. You went on a hiking expedition. And a blizzard comes up. And, Call back to our blizzards episode. And all the people you were hiking with left you behind. Right. Not <laughs> not unexpectedly. I keep complaining yeah, about, for, about why hiking. did you take me on this hike? That's right. It's like, oh, I'm waiting for him to hide and die. Uh, <laughs> and so you're left behind by yeah. your guide. Right, and you're out in the woods for a couple of days at and a time. And then night falls; it starts to get cold. I take off all my clothes and I find a tree stump to hide in. Okay, yeah. or a, I'm or, there, or a cave, or whatnot. Like I was a large hot mammal. <laughs> <laughs> Cryoprotectants. Okay, Ooh. so uh, there are lots and lots of animals that uh, survive really low temperatures, mm-hmm. um, and the way they do it is they have all kinds of cryoprotective compounds that they produce um, as all right. part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now. I think I know one of these. Uh-huh. Uh the timber wolf uh-huh. has one has a vitamin in massive amounts in its, some of its internal organs, uh-huh. which makes them toxic for us to eat, but helps protect it against the cold. Is any of that correct? I have no idea what oh. you're talking about. <laughs> I heard that once. Okay. Was it on the wolves episode? Maybe. Vitamins aren't generally considered cryoprotectants. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. Yeah, I Fine. mean... Fine. Bring, bring me some science. The, Teach me things. The other thing that's important to keep in mind is timber wolves, uh, mammals like us, birds, we're all what we call endotherms. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we produce lots of internal heat to keep our body temperatures you know, nice and warm all the time, and our physiology works great at those temperatures. And our skin mm-hmm. keeps the temperature in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the skin Parts and of our, the, our, the, the, our large massness of us. Yes, the large mm-hmm. massness, the, uh, that like furry stuff. we're all stuff. shaped like perfect spheres. Yes. <laughs> you heard the jokes about spherical cows in a vacuum, right? No. 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 <laughs> oh, it's just how physics approach every single biological question. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, <laughs> fat and fur and all those wonderful things that uh, mm-hmm. we all have in abundance keep us warm. Got it. But uh, the organisms I'm talking about are ectotherms. So I tend to think of endotherms, those things that keep and that produce our own uh, heat, are really wussy. I mean, we just we're not very good at handling low temperatures, like mm-hmm. below 20 degrees Celsius, and we start dying. Like seriously, what's up with that? Like we are we've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, ectotherms are organisms that don't maintain their own body temperature. So these are things like frogs and turtles and insects and uh, snails, all the most of the uh, the life on Earth. Really? And it's actually much tougher than we are. Yeah, there's a whole meme going around. We are the 99%, which is invertebrates. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so they're much tougher. And uh, they, they deal with uh, really low temperatures. So, you know, 20 degrees for them, that's like a normal day. I mean, their body temperature is just whatever the air temperature has to be, happens to be. So if it's minus mm. 40 degrees outside, they're minus 40. Right. right. How right. do they feel about that? Uh, well, I would say they generally feel good because one of the ways they handle it is they produce lots and lots of sugars and polyols. So they they what's actually a polyol. Polyol is uh, a <laughs> oh, oh, oh Kevin, oh. what's a polyol? He's got an idea. It's the entire catalog of parrots in the world. <laughs> yes, of course it is. 
Yeah, so they fill themselves full of parrots. Uh-huh. Uh, so a polyol is a compound that has uh, what's called a hydroxyl group. So that's an oxygen and a hydrogen molecule bonded together. And those get kind of plopped all over the molecules. And, and that's really great because um, it makes you really, really able to mix that compound with water, which okay. is a good thing if you want to like flush your bloodstream with like really small compounds. Polyols are great because they dissolve I in water. I do want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's like... All is just kind of alcohol, so ethanol, if that helps. Yeah. Anyway, so they produce sugars and polyols, uh, which are really great small compounds that do things like they replace the water that leaves cells during freezing processes. Mm -hmm. Um, So they kind of pump themselves full of sugar. Uh, some of the sugars they use are glucose, which this is... This does sound like something Torn would like to be able to <laughs> so do. Does this mean if He's I'm... He's trying to do I'm, it externally with donuts almost every I'm day. If I'm going to eat an invertebrate... Uh-huh. Yes. I want to eat cold ones because they're sweeter? You want to eat one that is like cold hearty. Yeah, we've actually done that in the lab. They taste sweet. Uh, one of the other things they produce... Science! <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is the yeah, sweetest Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, totally. Uh, we actually... Yeah, we did a video of that... Um, we called it our uh, taste assay for cryoprotection. Mm-hmm. Um, as so you shouldn't put taste and ass in the same <laughs> sentence. I'm just going to yeah. throw that out there. You'll get, you'll get, so other searches will bring your video hey. to light. That They don't want your video at don't all. Don't judge me, Torin. Mm-hmm. What you do on a Saturday night is between you and the video camera. Mm-hmm. Other polyols are things like sorbitol, which is actually used as an artificial sweetener. Mm-hmm. It's not something we uh, can but it, And it hurts. It hurts when you eat it. Yeah, it makes it sorbitol. But all, I mean... Mm-hmm. All. Yeah, all over. <laughs> all over. Uh, okay, so those are the low molecular weight cryoprotectants. Uh, There's also a whole series of high molecular weight cryoprotectants. So these tend to be things like proteins. Um, really good ones um, that are worth knowing about are things like antifreeze proteins. So those right. are proteins that can bind directly to ice. They have nothing to do mm. with your anti. Mm. Um, they're just antifreeze. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're actually really useful. People use them all the time for, um, well, there's actually a few companies, I believe, that put them in ice cream. So they'll bind to the ice crystals in your ice cream. freeze in my ice cream? Yes. That sounds like deadly poison. (laughs) Oh, it is deadly delicious. Uh, It's fair enough. Fair trade. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of filling your ice cream full of fat, which makes it nice and creamy, instead they can put in this protein... And keep all those ice crystals nice and small, so it still tastes creamy. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, it comes from a, an, a fish called the eel pout. The eel pout. Eel pout. Mm. Yes. Mm. I know. I'm an eel. I didn't, <laughs> think, I didn't think eels had lips, but, you know, what do I know? Uh, yep. Yeah, I know. They, they, they just try pouting. Mm-hmm. Um, another set of, um, of cryoprotective compounds that's good to know about are what we call the ice nucleating proteins. Okay. So those are proteins that actually can provide that nice nucleating site for ice to form. And uh, this is something that uh, is used often at ski hills. So by putting it in with their um, water for producing snow, they can actually nucleate snow at, at much higher temperatures than they could otherwise. And so, oh. so you get more powder. So if I wanted to biologically engineer myself to survive the cold vastness of space, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I would want to GMO myself with cryoprotectants <laughs> from the eel pout? Maybe. Um, I mean... So the eel pout uh, antifreeze proteins are kind of not so great. They only manage to uh, to help a couple of degrees worth of. So they they promote supercooling, right? Okay, right. right. So what you want really is one from like a, an eastern spruce budworm, Ooh. yeah, or the mountain pine beetle. They can promote, you know, on the order of 15, 20 degrees of supercooling. So much more uh, hardcore. For but then the terrible me. twist is I started to become all bug, bug manny. Oh, yeah. yeah. The fly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You turned all into, seen that movie. You turned into uh, 
Bobcat Goldthwait. No. Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> no, what's his name? Jeff Goldie, Goldblum. Goldie Goldenson. No, the Jeff uh, Goldblum. Goldblum. There you go. <laughs> I can see how you get those two mixed up. Uh-huh. They're, They're so similar. There's gold in there. Yeah. There's gold in them, their names. <laughs> yeah. Promission. Mm. Promission. Has anybody heard about this? Yeah, it's when you allow somebody to freeze. Kind of, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank our intern, Corey, for finding this. Promission is a proposed form of burial. Call back to our funerals episode. Or okay. burial. Or burial. I like burial. Sure, it's like no, go for it. Uh, or in bury. Which, <clears throat> or bury. Mm, but his name's berries. not... <laughs> in which human remains are disposed of by way of freeze-drying. Okay. Developed okay. as an environmentally friendly method of burial by Swedish biologist Suzanne Wiemasak, mm-hmm. who derived the name from the Italian word for promise. Promise? Promessa, Okay. Promession involves five steps. One, the body is frozen by immersion in liquid nitrogen to make it brittle. Okay. okay. Two, the wait, wait. Yeah. I thought we decided that that's not what happens when you put things in liquid no, nitrogen. No, not instantly. It takes a while. Oh. Even long enough. You just live it in there. If you, because we said you could put your hand in long enough to grab your forceps or your iPhone, right? But don't just put your hand in there and forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, you won't forget about that. So don't use liquid nit- when you're trying to play that prank on your roommate. <laughs> where <laughs> you put their hand in water to make them pee while they're sleeping. Yeah, that's right. Don't use liquid nitrogen. Is that <laughs> that's what you're saying? Public surface announcement. <laughs> After the body is frozen and brittle, the frozen remains are shattered by vibration. Whoa, I like it. Break out the... Hollywood has taught me anything. This is actually plausible. It's a giant bell. The remains are then subjected to a vacuum so that the ice sublimes and the powder becomes dry, weighing 50% to 70% less than the original body. So... So I think so... (laughs) So you dust bust the remains, the shattered remains. Any metals, uh, for example, uh, tooth amalgam, artificial hips, etc., are removed either by magnetism or by sieving. Just, mm-hmm. you know, okay. putting through a sieve. Yeah, yeah. The, Panning for, yeah. for uh, gold. Gold teeth. Yeah. That's yeah. leftover from the fake hips. From the promotion. Oh, God. I could just see. There's gold in them. There are cemeteries. There's people <laughs> panning. All these. Oh, it's, it's the new gold rush. Yeah. The dry. Oh, I forgot. It w- yeah, it would have been easier to just pull their teeth up before we went to all this trouble, <laughs> trouble yeah. but this is a fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the other problem is, is now you've got all those, you know, porcelain caps and, you know, they don't use yeah. golden fillings anymore. It's, yeah. you know. Meh. The dry powder is placed in a biodegradable casket, which is interred in the top layers of soil where aerobic bacteria decompose right. the remains into humus. <laughs> Delicious hummus. It, is, mm. it says hummus, but <laughs> my humus in, in as little as 12 months. Okay. Uh, so this so, is supposed to be a, an environmentally friendly method for disposing of a body. Yeah. Let's just bring in our uh, giant uh, liquid nitrogen machine and uh, <laughs> our coal-powered vibrator <laughs> and our uh, plug-in the electrical uh, system, well, the, the, magnet- the vacuum. The, the and vacuum and the, and the magnetic system the magnetic to pull out system. the gold teeth and whatnot. Actually, liquid nitrogen isn't that hard to get. It's just really condensed air, right? And so. Right. Yeah, that's not so bad. Uh, there's, uh, there's granted, there is energy involved in doing this. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do energy, but that the what's problem. The car- what's the carbon footprint of this versus putting someone in a box and burying them? Well, <laughs> the, the trouble too is um, all the stuff they do to a body after it dies, like when they pump it full of right, all, these all chemicals, the chemicals and that, formaldehyde and whatnot. Yeah, really not good for the local water systems. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess this is kind of literally uh, doing the whole ashes to ashes, dust to dust thing. Mm. Yeah. Some independent attempts to reproduce Promessa's early results have so far been unsuccessful, which the original innovators claim is due to lack of skills in cryogenic freezing and vibration technology. So basically, they say they've done this. Other people have tried to replicate it and haven't been able to. And they've mm. said, oh, you're just not good at it. 
Yeah, I've frozen right. a lot of animals in my day, and they don't necessarily just become really brittle. Um, mm -hmm. You can use what we call sonicators uh, to sonicators. Did you sonicators? say sonicators? Yes. Oh, this is awesome! I want uh, the gun sonicator. I just point at Kevin, and I hit his resonant <laughs> frequency, and he just disintegrates. Yeah, is that what a sonicator does? Uh, no, it's like a bath that you like stick your tube full of frozen animal in, and uh, and it, it like bounces sound waves off it and okay. uh, kind of mm. vibrates it. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine that with a really big animal. I mean, I never stuck my hand in that. So, you know, I haven't done the ultimate <laughs> right. lab test. Right. So. Who here wants to be frozen after you're dead? No, uh, we've in already discussed in can... our funerals and funerary rites episode that I want to be exploded. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I want to be atomized by a giant explosion. You're actually not the only one who came to that conclusion. Timothy Leary wussed out of uh, cryonics. Yes. Oh. Mm. Yes, he decided he wanted to be shot into space. Which Okay. I, yeah. I think is the far superior. I've decided I'm dead and I don't give a crap. <laughs> Do what you want. So you want us to cryonate you? I sure. If you want to waste the money on it, that's kind of what we're going to talk about right now. That cryonics is bunk. Uh, so cryonics is freezing people after they've been pronounced dead in the hopes that they can be revived in the future. This right, is that science. whole like freezing by Walt science. Disney's head. And yeah, Futurama. Yeah. Although to be fair, Walt Disney's head is not actually frozen. It's also, mummified. Mm, I think he's just buried. It's worshipped. Yeah, it's, it's worshipped. It's on an altar and it's, worshipped. It's at just Disneyland. an urban. It's an urban myth. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I prefer to think that they have an altar underground at Disneyland with his mummified head sitting on it that they all have to pledge allegiance to before they're allowed to work there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That would be awesome, right? I'm not wrong here. There are currently in the world about 270 people cryo preserved. All right. Now, I always thought this whole cryopreservation thing was kind of stupid because you die from a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they freeze just your head or your whole body? Uh, it depends. You can choose. Okay. They so can even, I just they can even freeze just frozen. your brain let's, if you want. Let's say you choose just the head or you choose the, the whole body, kind of academic. You're still dead. You've ceased to function and you're... Now what? Just hoping sometime in an indeterminate future they'll figure out how to bring dead material back yes. Yes. and still retain like it's a like it's a hard drive that crashed and the the the, uh, the genius bar hadn't figured out how to recover it all yet. So just stick it in a drawer until we get the technology to recover that hard drive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've heard it described as trying to turn ham hamburger back into a cow. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This doesn't seem like anything that challenge will, accepted that will <laughs> ever be able to happen. And remember all the stuff we talked about the beginning, all the damage that freezing does to your body and to your cells. organic materials in your cells, and you form ice crystals in your blood, and yeah, that your pushes all the Things out does, that, does that poke all my DNA so it doesn't look like DNA anymore? Uh, yeah, so there actually can be single and double-stranded DNA breaks that come about at, due to freezing damage. But to my be fair, DNA. they're claiming that they're not freezing, they're vitrifying. So with their okay. special sauce right. of cryoprotectants that they perfuse a body with, so they um, basically replace all the blood in your body with this, this special um, group of cryoprotectants, right. that they're inducing vitrification. So that's that amorphous ice right. through your body. So Kentucky frozen human, right? Yeah. The 11 secret, yeah. secret yeah. herbs and spices that they stick in your veins. Yeah. And basically their argument comes down to, to this, that they, they managed to vitrify you. In particular, they managed to vitrify your brain mm -hmm. so that any information that was in that brain that makes up who you are right. is preserved. 
The problem is, is that they really haven't been able to demonstrate two things. One, that they're actually able to vitrify an entire brain or a human being that has never been shown. And that secondly, even if they did, that the person would be okay. So, but they're uh, not okay. They died from something else. Well, and right? that's that's a whole other <laughs> problem. Like, and because in you the know, brain, it's all like yeah. it's all like electricity moving around to keep your personality and your memories and everything. And my understanding is that when that stops, yeah, what they you need can't, to do, you can't recreate that. What they need to do is they need to take somebody who's not dead yet, right? Vitrify them, ah. bring them back, and see say, "See, we can do it." And so now you're near dying from something. Yeah. We are going to vitrify you. And then when the cure for that is, appears, we will take you out. And well, if you can't do that with people, then just do it with dolphins. Well, fun mm-hmm. fact, most of the animals that survive freezing or vitrification actually do it in a juvenile life stage. So really, we should be doing this with children. With babies. For maximal, you know, possibility of recovery. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> when they're a baby, we mm-hmm. say, you will eventually die from something. Right. So let's, We're just gonna speed let's up the process. put you in storage until we figure out the cure for everything. Right. And and then we will pull you out. Oh. We'll just have like the cryonics wards right next to the maternity wards. What could go wrong with this plan, really? Yeah, this seems like uh, pretty much the only logical solution to this question. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's actually all kinds of problems with uh, these companies that offer these processes that come about not only because um, they haven't shown any of these things that I mentioned, but their whole way of um, presenting the science is really flawed. They don't publish an awful lot of the time. Uh, when they do, it's really small experiments um, that they don't really describe particularly well. So they're actually, cryonics is um, really looked down upon by the cryobiological community. Mm. Uh, the Society for Cryobiology. Like get the cryo out of that name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Society for Cryobiology. Um, if you want to become a member, actually makes you sign a statement saying that you will not be involved in cryonics. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, so, sign, everybody knows that signing a piece of paper makes people not do things. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but <laughs> can't I take like the ant- natural antifreeze from a frog or whatever and put it into my system before, like, uh, while I'm at death's door? Yeah, and you turn to a frogman. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. No problem That's with what that. That's you wanted all along anyway, <laughs> it is isn't true. it, Torrin? Deliver the bottom of the sea, half man, you half You just frog. want to eat a lot of sugar. That's what uh-huh. it is. There's that too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, here's the thing. Um, there are lots of animals that survive freezing, reproducing all these antifreeze compounds and these cryoprotectants that I talked about. But there are an awful lot of animals that don't survive freezing, but survive very low temperatures right. that also produce all the exact same compounds. So biochemically speaking, we can't necessarily look at any one organism and say, hey, it's going to survive freezing or not. Uh, there's still a lot we don't know about why some animals survive freezing, some don't. Uh, we even used, well, some actually my PhD advisor and some people in my lab used um, the Tevatron in Chicago, which is a big particle accelerator to try and understand some of the differences between animals that do and don't survive freezing. And uh, they were almost indistinguishable. So it's a really tricky, tricky question that mm. we still don't know the answer to. So you kind of, whenever you freeze an animal, you're sort of rolling the bones because that's all you may end up with at the end of the day. Cold bones. Mm-hmm. Here's a little note. In 1979, the Chatsworth facility uh, from the Cryonics Company of California, run by Robert Nelson, oh, ran guy. out of money 
and the frozen bodies thawed. Uh-oh. The cryonics uh-huh. movement as a whole was outraged, and facility operators are much more careful these days, they say, but it's an expensive business to operate as a charity. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the thing, is that you know people do pay membership dues, and they, they pay all this money up front to get frozen, but we don't know how long it's going to be until those bodies need to be thawed out. And what you need to know is not only is the money that you've provided enough to like maintain this facility all this time, but also is the company that you paid your money to actually going to stay in business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how good is their science? And we've heard no, no good science out of any of them. And if you look at one of the main ones is... Well, uh, if they go out of business, I know what happens is like all the repo men show up and all your like the court comes in with the creditors and whatever. Yeah. And then uh, imagine they come in after you've gone bankrupt and then they've got all these bodies. What are the bankers going to do with the bodies? Ooh, I know. They turn them into those pen receptacles at, uh, at the, uh, at the, the bank. branch. Yeah, the branch. Yeah. There's lots of orifices. I say just shoot these people up in a space where it's naturally cold. Mm-hmm. Put them in uh, like a little... Uh, and we know it's not cold in space. Uh, the sun is blasting you. No, it's on the dark side of the moon. Oh, right. well, that, that's not space. That's the dark side of the moon. Some such. And, you know, also like the bodies are already cold, so it, they'll just be well insulated in space mm-hmm. because, you know... Yeah, freeze yeah. them first, then put them in space. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then that's like a refrigerator. It's a vacuum. Now you're talking it's like a refrigerator. A refrigerator. Yes, as previously discussed. cry of pain escapes its mouth and puts my stomach into knots evil duos creeping in the corner of my mind just can't deal with it I know they're right behind and now I'm blind I just can't see what is this thing that's crawling inside me I learn and burn because now I know this fucking show make it grows make it grows please tell me things all apart make it grows make it grows till I pass out on the floor I don't care what you're going to say tell me Trouble seem far away. It's funny how child labor makes traffic seem not bad. And the stuff that used to bug me is just a little sad. I want to see what I can take to test my limits till they break. The bugs tumors of surgery Ted Bundy Make it gross Make it gross I can deal with infanticide Make it gross Make it gross You'll never see me cry I don't care What you're going to
Peggy Cheese just wants to go and crawl right out the door. And when that pierces me just like a neutron blast, I am a soda jerk. This stuff is such a gas. Make it gross. In the history, in 1941, Nazi Germany's Luftwaffe conducted experiments with the intent of discovering means to prevent and treat hypothermia. Okay. So, what? The, Luft, the Luftwaffe was yeah. the Air Force. Cold yes. up there. It's cold. Oh. oh Don't okay. fly too high. Do pilots get a lot of hypothermia? Was that a problem? I would probably, because mm-hmm. uh, maybe their, their the, the cockpits little, weren't they have so that sealed vent up. open. Oh, you know? of course. Yeah. You can have air conditioning or you can have open air vent. Okay, all right. Or Luftwaffe. maybe they just felt bad flying over everybody in the Russian front and going, yeah. man, Ooh. it's cold down there. Yeah. We should do what we can to help Maybe them it was survival after, you know, or getting shot down. Or if you shot yeah. down, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. All right. Didn't think, about, didn't think you were going to get shot down, did you, Kevin? <laughs> no, no, I didn't think anybody in Luftwaffe ever got shot down. <laughs> I shot down men all the time. Uh, Ooh. There were 360 to 400 experiments and 280 to 300 victims, oh. indicating some wait, victims wait, wait, suffered wait. more than one experiment. But wait. So victims, uh, victims of hypothermia, or well, I don't yeah, understand yeah, how there's, victims there's, come into experiments. Experiments, you have oh. subjects and volunteers and yeah. whatnot. No, right. this is Nazi Germany. Okay. One study forced subjects to endure a tank of ice water for up to five hours. Okay. This oh, was yeah. done on prisoners. These are all German people, right? This was done on prisoners. Oh, not German people. Uh, captured uh. Russian troops uh, much of the time. Okay. I know that uh, Mengele did a lot of this stuff, too. I don't yeah, know if this was I, necessarily... there's all sorts of horrible experiments mm-hmm. on prisoners. Yeah, for sure. Many experiments were conducted on captured Russian troops. The Nazis wondered whether their genetics gave them superior resistance to cold. Of course oh. it did. So uh, as we all stick, know. You'd stick a Russian in an icy tub next to a German in an icy tub then? Just to get a yeah. control. Do you have a control? Exactly. I, I would think so. I guess that's what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One study placed prisoners naked in the open air for several hours with temperatures as low as minus six Celsius. Besides studying the physical effects of cold exposure, the experimenters also assessed different methods of rewarming survivors. Yeah. Like they keep a tally of all the effects. Yep. Number one, shrinkage. I guarantee <laughs> that was the first thing they noticed. And still women don't know about it. Yeah. Because it's a state secret. It's like a top secret stamp. Do not let the females know about shrinkage. One assistant later testified that some victims were thrown into boiling water for rewarming. Sure. Oh, that's good. that'll work, right? If you're freezing, suffering from hypothermia, the boiling water will be the next best thing for them. Actually, get- no, don't do it. Don't do it. If someone is suffering hypothermia, never put them in really hot water. Ever. Why is that? Uh, Unless you're a Nazi. <laughs> If you're well, a Nazi, I mean, go right ahead. If you're evil, then do it. Yes. Yeah, I, I honestly, I can't remember, but I know you're supposed to put them in lukewarm water or slightly warm water rather than boiling water. Well, you should. 
can't imagine any circumstance where you want to put a human in boiling. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine a circumstance, but not one in which you want the human to no. do well no. afterwards. Yeah, maybe a witch trial. Yeah. Right. right. Maybe yeah. a witch trial. Yeah. Or a cook-off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> cannibal style. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it, it, the, uh, a cannibal cook-off championship. Lost at sea, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Donner party. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In the news. <laughs> April 2014. 80-year-old mm-hmm. Maria de Jesus Arroya suffered a heart attack on July 26, 2010, and was pronounced dead by a doctor at White Memorial Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Her body was laid out so that her family could pay their respects before it was taken to the hospital morgue, where it was placed inside a refrigerated compartment pending pickup by a mortician. Uh, oh, yeah, this would have been a refrigerator. Where did this happen? Mm-hmm. This was uh, Mexico. Okay. When morticians later received Arroyo's body from the morgue, they found her face down rather than face up. Dun, dun, dun. Her nose was broken, oh. and she had cuts and bruises to her face, according to the court papers. Oh, oh somebody opened the drawer and beat her up. And turned her over. Arroyo's family initially attributed the injuries to mishandling of her remains. Right. The injuries were so severe, the lawsuit alleges, that the mortuary was unable to mask them. So they couldn't, like, fix her up with their, you know... Makeup. Clay and makeup. Right, yeah. As a result, the family filed a suit accusing the hospital of negligence. A medical expert later reviewed depositions and declarations by hospital staff, which led him to surmise that Arroyo had received her injuries pre-mortem and was, quote, frozen alive in the hospital morgue. Oh. She must have got the wounds while she was fighting, while she was on her way out, and that's why they found her upside down. On her way out of what? Out of the the casket that they put her in in the freezer. So they pronounced her dead when she was not. Her family paid her their respects. They put her into the the cooled compartment, into the little metal box. The refrigerator. The refrigerator. And the morgue. She woke up. Right. Desperately tried to get out. Right, but those things aren't meant to be open from the inside because there's very little need for it. Yes. (laughs) So it doesn't have one of those panic handles in the trunk, those kidnapping handles. Yeah, I need those little bells like we talked about on on our Buried Alive episode. Yeah, go check out that old episode at causticsodapodcast.com because we've mentioned it like 10 times now. In desperately trying to get herself out, she hurt herself very badly. Right. Yeah, and I would hurt myself very badly trying to get out of a mortuary. You'd think knocking would have done it. Yeah, you got to go to like the old... But you don't know where you are. Yeah. I mean, you wake up somewhere cold and dark and small, and that's all you know. Yeah. And you're 80 years old and had a heart attack just recently. And she might have been disoriented from whatever... So what is the And she might be suffering hypothermia as well. Claustrophobic. What's the medical thing about this frozen alive thing? Like, how did this happen? Okay, so she wasn't, again, frozen alive. She was in a refrigerator, refrigerator, depending on how you prefer to state it. Um, But she would have suffered hypothermia from being locked in a refrigerated compartment. She I don't know if she would have been wearing clothes, but even still... You know, if you're kept at four degrees Celsius without, you know, any sort of warm clothing on for a long period of time, eventually, and especially if you're not in great health to begin with. So we're not saying that she had a heart attack and then fell into a snowbank. No. And then was slowed her internal stuff down to a crawl so that people thought she was dead. Nope. Just a misdiagnosis. Hmm. She wasn't dead. Hmm. You think somebody would have noticed her breathing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Bad doctor. White Memorial Medical Center has denied any wrongdoing in the case. Imagine I that. I haven't found any follow-ups on that. Imagine that. We didn't do it. It was like this one we got her. Yeah, precisely. June 2013, uh-huh. La Colonia Granas El Payote in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Organizers of a Jägermeister pool party attempted to create a smoke effect by pouring four buckets of liquid nitrogen into the pool. Mm-hmm. Wait, don't you, put, you put dry ice in a pool to create smoke, don't you? Don't tell the organizers of the Jägermeister pool party that. Well, okay. liquid nitrogen is much easier because you just pour it instead of having... If you put uh, dry ice in, there's still hunks of dry ice that people could touch if they're in the pool. Right. Yeah, and that'll get stuck to you. Wait, but wait, they're pouring liquid nitrogen into a pool that people are in? Yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, do you want to see? <laughs> yeah, oh, there's a video. Oh, my God. Those are not buckets. Those are really large. Those containers. are 10-liter doer containers. Yeah. They don't... Yeah, and their people are... Are in the pool. In the pool, jumping, and right. watching the, the guys with the buckets of uh, liquid nitrogen pour it into the pool that they're in. Yeah, and there's tons of dance music going on, and there's a whole party atmosphere. When the liquid nitrogen came in contact with the water, it boiled into nitrogen vapor. Right. And displaced oxygen leaving partygoers gasping for breath. Oh, oh! so that smoke is actually choking out the oxygen. So it's right. creating the smoke and choking people out. So you've got this dense, like, of course, when, it, when you turn nitrogen, which is a gas, into a liquid, it condenses, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of it there compared to what it would be if it was a vapor. Right. When it hits the water, it turns back into a vapor right. and expands massively and pushes all the oxygen out of that area. Okay, all right. Guests who were milling around the pool realized that those inside the water began passing out and called for help. Right. The victims were pulled to safety by paramedics and rushed to hospital where many had been diagnosed with cardiovascular problems. (laughs) Well, what, not breathing is designated as a problem? Eight people received medical attention and have since been released. One of the victims, 21-year-old Ignacio Lopez del Toro, Ended, wow. up, ended up in intensive care in the hospital for days. The day after the incident, doctors gave him only a 2% chance of survival. Wow. But several days later, he was released. Doctors say he'll take a year to recover thanks to pancreatitis and a hole in his left lung. So I did the math on this. Uh, I went and looked up uh, how much liquid nitrogen will turn into, so how much air it will displace. Right. According to the website ChemBark, which is actually where we initially found this story. Oh, I thought it's about dogs doing chemistry. It's totally about that, but this was a side story. 28 grams of liquid nitrogen will displace 22.4 liters of air when it boils. Okay. So they dumped several 10-liter Dewar's containers of liquid nitrogen in the pool, which by- Dewar? The Dewar is named after a Scottish um, scientist from a couple of hundred years ago, James Dewar, and uh, it's basically like a big vacuum flask, like a big thermos. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They dumped several 10-liter Dewar's containers of liquid nitrogen in the pool, uh, which by my calculations is about 8 kilograms of the chemical per container, Mm -hmm. which means they would displace 6,400 liters of air each. That's a lot of air. Right. And Katie, you were saying something about our response to too much nitrogen when we were talking about this. So the really scary thing about liquid nitrogen, and, and when I work with it in the lab, the thing that people don't really think about is the big hazard is actually that displacement of air. So um, the cold hazard is really not as big a deal as the fact that if you like dump a lot of it on the ground, again, you'll get that liquid nitrogen um, evaporating into vapor nitrogen and displacing all the air. And it is scary because you don't react to a lack of oxygen the same way you react to an increase in carbon dioxide gas. Oh, okay. So when you sort of imagine like you're in a really small space and you're using up all the air and you kind of get that like burning sensation, that's from the increased carbon dioxide in the air, which is called hypercapnia. Right. So you react to that really strongly and you start gasping for breath and trying to breathe more. 
if there's not much oxygen, you don't have the same response to that. You don't really react much at all. You just pass out. So you just just breathe nitrogen and your body goes, whatever. Yeah. There's no... (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm breathing nitrogen now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually been in that situation and it's it's a scary thing because you don't notice anything's wrong other than, oh, I'm starting to feel kind of lightheaded and I better get out of here. Oh. Right. This is a public service announcement for all those haunted houses. (laughs) absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out for liquid nitrogen boiling. Yeah. I mean, most of the time when people like produce vapor for like a special effects, it'll be um, dry Dry ice, ice. which that at least will cause some kind of reaction if there's too much of it. what is in dry ice that's different from liquid nitrogen? Dry ice is just frozen carbon dioxide. Oh, okay. So, and it's much warmer. It's about minus 80 degrees Celsius, where liquid nitrogen is about minus 196, give or take. (sighs) Yes, Mm -hmm. very chilly. (laughs) Yeah. Much more dangerous. Yeah. Uh, You can put potentially dry ice in drinks, but you didn't hear it from me. What happens if I put dry ice in liquid nitrogen? Dry ice in liquid nitrogen? Uh, Crack? Yeah, probably. That's about it. I mean, I've never been use... tried before. <laughs> I destroyed the universe. I know when you go to those like uh, hardcore uh, molecular gastronomy places in New York and Paris mm. and whatnot, that they use a lot of dry ice and liquid nitrogen. Yeah, you can make ice cream, really good ice cream with liquid nitrogen. It's like those dipping dots. So you just like dipping ta- dots. Yeah. <laughs> Never so, heard those words together what? before. Dippin' Dots? You've never heard of Dippin' Dots? You, oh. you are, I would have ranked you amongst ice cream aficionados. Yeah. And you don't know anything about Are these little things dots? you see at the movie theater where you yes. can get a little cup full of those tiny? Okay. So yes. you take the ice cream, you drop it into the liquid nitrogen, and you get like these little spheres of creamy goodness. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Let's go up for Dippin' Dots, everyone. After yeah. the show. Can, can that be our ice bucket challenge? Yes. Yeah. Instead of pouring oh, ice over us, we'll pour no- ice cream into our mouths. Yes. yes. Yeah. Although, if you wanted to have another public service announcement, never drink a drink with liquid nitrogen in it. And that actually happened. Um, someone ended up with a hole in their stomach. Oh! Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, much, much colder. Listen, I got enough holes already. Mm. I don't need another one. Yeah, and if you're going to put dry ice in a drink, make sure that you don't actually put the dry ice in your mouth at any time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. That'd be the ultimate, like, sticking your tongue on a a really cold piece of metal. Yeah. Who here has done that, had their tongue (laughs) stuck to uh, something very cold and they couldn't get it off? Everyone except for Joe. Yeah. Everyone except for Joe. And I'm guessing- Joe, you haven't lived. I'm guessing Katie has done it- My tongue doesn't stick out very far. I'm guessing Katie has done it the most recently. Oh, yeah. I did just move from Central Canada. (laughs) (laughs) September 2012. Diagnosed with an aggressive form of glioblastoma multiform, a particularly deadly brain cancer, mm-hmm. Kim Suozzi, 23, turned to Reddit to raise funds, not to fight the disease, but to have her head cryogenically frozen after her death by Alcor Life Extension Foundation. Alcor. Okay. Yeah. In the hopes that she could be revived and cured in the future. Uh-huh. Thanks to Reddit and help from the Society for Venturism, which oh. I looked up. It's not about the Venture Brothers. Okay. okay. It's a, quote, secular religion for those who believe in cryonics. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I believe cryonics exist. I, right. I was presuming they believe cryonic, cryonics work. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they really desperately want it to work. Okay. okay. Uh, she ended up raising the $70,000 needed for the procedure. Oh, I need to go to Reddit to raise some yeah. money for crap that doesn't... I know. Exist. I've got these student loans. <laughs> so, like, clearly I've been doing this all wrong. Mm-hmm. In January, Just say you want to freeze your student loans chronically. Right. Yeah. I'm a cryobiologist. If you fund me, I'll not do the research you want me to do. Mm-hmm. In January of 2013, Suozzi passed away from her condition, and her head was frozen by Alcor. Okay. 
Unfortunately, Alcor's own case report suggests it was botched in many ways. Oh. oh. So, Katie, you know more about this than I do. So uh, I've got a couple of point forms. Uh, one, the temperature data logger had been found to be inoperable, and a team member left the room at 719 to look for batteries in the transport vehicle. So basically, they brought all these um, temperature loggers to keep track of what temperature a body was at at any given time, which is really important if you're interested in, say, preventing damage. You want things to be as cold as possible, as fast as possible. They brought all this equipment. The batteries were dead in all the equipment, and they had to, like, go on this, like, search for batteries. It's just unprofessional. I'm guessing... (laughs) $70,000, they didn't have batteries. I'm guessing they don't... uh, These... This equipment doesn't take, like, C-cells or something. I'm Uh, sure it's some sort of industrial battery. No, they're just using... They said dual loggers. I think those are just double A. Now, uh, 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 you can get those at Costco for, like, you know, 10 cents each. Probably what they did. A a data logger is a device or a person? A data logger is a device. Okay, People don't need batteries, Torin. Maybe (laughs) you do, but most people don't. Quiet. I don't know about need. Kevin, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, fill in with batteries. Uh, I don't need to hear your bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing is that they claim that they're vitrifying the body. Um, without ice crystal formation. You can actually detect ice crystal formation by keeping really close tabs on what temperature the body's at. So when ice crystals form, you get this really fast increase in temperature really quickly. That shouldn't happen during vitrification. If your data logger is out of batteries, you'll never know whether that was the case or not. Oh, Mm. but you could also cut them up and look for ice crystals. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's that's definitely optimized for survival, I would say. (laughs) Just a piece of the earlobe. Yeah. Got it. Contrary to protocol, only one temperature logger was used during stabilization, which further aggravated the problems with the duo logger. Duo logger is just one of their um, data loggers. So you would ideally have multiple temperature loggers um, in different parts of the body, so you know stuck what's in happening. like very deep with like big knives. Yeah, oh, I was no, reading. They got those uh, the, those things that you stick in a pot roast, right? <laughs> well, you know, you those know, giant sort of thermometer. The- great thing about a body is it has all these orifices yeah that's yeah. true i can imagine Kevin's most of all i imagine that part, different parts of my body would freeze at different sort of you know stages oh absolutely mm-hmm. so like your extremities will freeze you know if your whole body is stuck in something really cold your extremities are going to freeze soonest right mm-hmm. that's why yeah. you put so. your fingers in your armpits uh i know for w- pretty much uh it's science good science my ego is going to freeze last it's the hottest part of you mm-hmm Mm. The largest. Lack of data collection in this case was further aggravated by the absence of formal stabilization data collection sheets. That is a lot of words that I kind of know. Yeah. So basically this woman had raised all this money on Reddit and through this society. They knew she was going to die because she had this really awful tumor. She was actually transported to a hospice in mm-hmm. Arizona, which is right near where the Life Extension Foundation was. She had paid $70,000 for this procedure. Did you say yeah. Phoenix, Arizona? Uh, I think they're in Scottsdale. It's where it's hot. Wait, yeah. why would you want your cryonics facility to be <laughs> in one of the hottest places in America? Yeah. Ch- cheap land. This uh, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Send it to Alaska. Put it in the Arctic Circle. Like... Why? Because then you can just like, if something goes wrong with your freezer, you just Toss open the doors. Outside. Uh, you know Throw what it is? Yeah, it's, it's proximity to population centers would be my guess. Mm. Um, you want that body transported as fast as possible if you're interested in cooling it as quickly as possible. Right, so, but even then you could yeah. pick, you could pick uh, um, North Dakota. It's like kind of central, yeah. right, to, Although, to the continental U.S., but it's a, a shit ton more cold than... Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, you know, honestly, they're just 
um, keeping them cold with liquid nitrogen. So um, that's surprisingly cheap. I looked up their annual budgets. They have a multi-million dollar year budget. They spend $55,000 a year on liquid nitrogen. So it's really a small part of their budget. Okay. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so the problem with the data the collection sheets. The other part sheets. is batteries. <laughs> right. The rest of yeah, the budget yeah, the other, like $945,000 is yeah. batteries. So anyway, all this happens. They are so ready for her to die. And they haven't even put together like standardized data collection sheets. And I mean, when you do science, the data collection sheet is how you know, okay, we need to collect data on X, Y, and Z, maybe some A's and C's. If you don't have that formal data collection sheet, you don't know if you're writing down all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe that's how you do science with your (laughs) fancy PhD. I know. You know, I can't say that I'm an Alcorian, I think they're called, but, uh, (laughs) you know, for all we know, they were writing things on the backs of their hands, right? So it's just, it points to a lack of profession. Hey, he's got a tattoo of the data collection sheet on the back of his hand. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's just handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, did I mention it was volunteers that do this, by oh, the way? All right. So $70,000 and people volunteered. Yes. I, There's no yeah. staff? They don't have staff? Uh, they have There's staff. donuts every Tuesday morning, guys. Yeah. Free right. donuts. Or yeah. Dippin' Dots, because they got all that liquid nitrogen <laughs> hanging around. Yeah. yeah, frozen donuts for everyone. Yeah. And then finally, while surgery and perfusion were accomplished without incident, the actual success of perfusion in this case appears negligible. So this is um, directly taken, a quote from Alcor's case report. And what they're reporting is that while they tried to flush all her blood out and um, and fill her body with cryoprotectant, they were unsuccessful. And so they have data showing in their case report that her brain was not cryopreserved at all. There was maybe a small amount on the outside that had a little bit of cryoprotection other than that, um, yeah, those that brain is not cryopreserved. Hey, it's more of an art than a science. So a well-paid, mm-hmm. high-profile client, I'm not going to call mm-hmm. it a patient, of mm-hmm. this company that claims to be able to freeze you to bring you back was unprofessional, didn't follow what would be standard procedures, and even in their own case report went, ah, that didn't work. Basically, yes. Yeah, awesome. Way yeah. to go, Alcor. And mm-hmm. I mean, this was the highest profile case. You can Google her name. And yeah. like this was covered by all kinds of news outlets. And you would have thought that they would have been organized enough to bring batteries. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, there was a book written by a former Alcor employee that kind <laughs> yes. of uh, went I know over what their a motto bunch is. of this stuff. Wait, wait. wait. Oh. I know what their motto is. Don't cry over spilt milk. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. got a bigger laugh. No. no. So... Scott Johnson uh, wrote a tell-all um, sort of memoir of his time working for Alcor. I don't think he spent a whole year working for them. He was a paramedic that was hired to be director of clinical services. And what he found was that um, he basically reported a lot of what we mentioned about this unprofessionalism. Um, that There was just a lot of disorganization around uh, some of these cryopreservations. And uh, he actually became chief operating officer while he was there in the nine months. Um, so he he really pointed to a lack of organization in a lot of things. There was a, right. an awful lot of uh, other allegations uh, that you can Google, but uh, I don't know if I would. Uh, there was a lawsuit that Alcor, of course, launched in response to this book oh. um, mm-hmm. that is working its way through the courts. I think it's been dismissed most recently, just this spring. So um, that really, there's there's just a lot of unknowns about what actually is going down. Well, they are like, we're going to freeze your assets. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Larry yeah. Johnson. Larry right. Johnson. So, yeah, Scott Johnson. Larry like Johnson. how long of a pause it took for you to... <laughs> I was frozen by how brilliant it was. 
the allegations that are in the book have not been proven in court. Um, but if you go through Alcor's own case reports, and they have quite a few of them on their website, you can mm-hmm. really see that at least the allegations about lack of organization and pre- pre- preparation are, pre- I would say, absolutely um, confirmed by by some of their have case they, reports. Have they, they ever had a success? Like uh, anything that, that somebody reasonable who would, and they give enough information that we could say, oh, well, they did that one. To be honest, I've, I haven't gone through every single case report, but I've gone through six or seven, and I haven't seen anything that even they would continue, consider it a success. I would think if they had one, they would be shouting it, right? Yeah, and we would define success in this case as a successful perfusion with cryoprotectin. Right. Um, in a lot of cases, it's hard to tell. Um, so I can't tell with the amount of data that they've presented whether or not vitrification actually happened. Right. They have not ever shown in a whole animal complete vitrification even you know something tiny like bugs. A, a, well okay tiny bugs actually naturally successfully right vitrify. there success oh yes. we did it yeah <laughs> look at all these bugs um, but i would like to see some you know vitrification reports on mice or right. rabbits okay. or yeah so this is how we Holes. do it we get the machine from the fly mm-hmm. when you're about to die to splice you with a fly so that you become a tiny right. little fly right. and then they can freeze you right and then we have another machine that turns you back into a human or a fly uh, right so what if so you're a dead take? human can they turn you into an alive fly? It's a uh, honey. I shrunk the corpses. Oh. <laughs> Pop culture. First thing that came to my mind was Han Solo being frozen in carb- carbonite. Is he? Was he technically frozen though, or is it well, like what is carbonite? Mm. Oh. It's a mm-hmm. magical thing, right? right. Yeah, that yeah, preserves him. He was cold sure. when he came out. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's true. He was yeah. shivering when he came out. He yeah. was blind. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea where the blindness comes from. I I really don't know. It froze his optical nerves. nerves. Yeah. yeah. Although actually, right, you can watch videos on YouTube of frogs thawing out after being frozen. Yep. And their eyes are all kind of like shrunken in, and then you watch uh-huh. it as they thaw out, their eyes like pop back out. Boink. So maybe oh, that's man. what happened to Han Solo. If I can find video of that, it will be up on caustics.podcast.com. It would be awesome if they made that noise. <laughs> yeah, when they happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A uh, little trivia: having Han Solo frozen in carbonate was, at least in part, due to the fact that they were not sure that Harrison Ford would return for a third film. Yeah, that oh. yeah, was a uh, contractual thing. Yeah, when yeah. the uh, original Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope was made, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were signed on for a three-picture deal, but Harrison Ford refused. He even Ooh. He's Ford, like, I'm all going to be Indiana Jones. I got no time for your space bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Ford even requested George Lucas to kill off Solo since the character had played its part already, but it's Lucas true. refused, saying that he still had a heroic part for Han Solo to play in Star Wars Episode Six: The Return of the yeah, Jedi. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. General Solo. <laughs> uh-huh. General Solo, is your strike team ready? And all these lieutenants are like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I've been in the fucking rebellion for 10 years, yeah. and I have military experience. This guy shoots a couple of TIE fighters. He's a general. Fucks the princess. Come yeah. on. Because he fucks the princess. Yeah, His totally. job was to thaw Carrie Fisher's icy, icy heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Uh, Her heart was cased in carbonite. Oh. How about The Day After Tomorrow? Anybody see that? I did see that movie. It's a role, is, is it a Roland Emmerich movie? Yeah. Then I will not see it. It's a good thing, because that's a terrible fucking movie. Yeah, I hate, like I hate all the Roland Emmerich's movies. My nemesis. I would totally freeze the Statue of Liberty if I could, though. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's lots of beautiful CGI so- shots. And, and then stuff. and then reanimated in the future. Exactly. <laughs> Bring it back to life. The uh-huh. reason that even though it's a terrible movie, it reminds me of freezing is because of that scene where he's like literally running away from the cold. Uh, oh, yeah. He's running down the hall. And he's like trying to shut doors. And <laughs> <laughs> it's 
looks like the cold is an alien going along the wall to try and get him. Mm-hmm. Although, to be uh. fair, actually, um, so a real thing, uh, have you ever heard of oh, brainsicles? Brainsicles? Brainsicles. Oh, brainsicles. No. Oh, yes, I have. Yes. That is when... Because I've in the in the Antarctic, uh-huh. you've got uh-huh. like little twisters of ice coming down from the ice above and reaching the bottom of the ocean yes. to the to the the seabed where all the starfish are, and then uh-huh. it'll spread out its tendrils and start killing it's everything killing in its the starfish. path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we talked about that in another episode, didn't we? I certainly this freezing the sea floor video that you're about to open up. I have watched this. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know they were called brinesicles, though. Brinesicles, yeah, yes. Cool. It's because uh, brine, so here's another freezing fact. The more stuff you have in a in water, the more you can um, lower its melting point. So something like salty water has a mm-hmm. lower melting point than fresh water right. because all that salt interferes with like ice crystallization. Right. What about urine? Urine definitely has a lower melting point than water, yes. Good to know. Also, urine is warm, so you know if you're really cold, you can pee on yourself. Oh, oh, is that why I did it? <laughs> yeah. Well, at least that's what you can tell everybody you did it from now on. Yeah. So um, that whole thing where, so basically you have this really, really super, really cold brine that sinks down from the top. Um, when water is really cold, it's also more dense. So it reaches the bottom of the ocean floor and it actually nucleates ice as it goes along the ocean floor. And any um, poor uh, sea star, we call them now, they're not starfish because they're not fish, Right. Um, will actually get frozen. Along the way, so mm-hmm. the, you yeah. can watch like uh, they. I think BBC has. That's the video though. I yeah, yeah. There's like yeah. from. It's not from Planet Earth, but it's yeah. one of those David Attenborough mm-hmm. uh, yeah, life yeah. series. It's a pretty rad video. Go to causticsodapodcast.com and check it Frozen out. Frozen Planet Frozen is what Planet. it's from. Yeah. Icy finger of death. Yeah, we'll include this on uh, causticsodapodcast.com. Mm. Oh, there it is. Time lapse photography. Yeah. I'd like to talk about Mr. Freeze from Batman. Okay. There's that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's but talk about the good one. When I fell in love with Mr. Freeze, yeah. it mm-hmm. was from Batman the Animated Series yeah. in yeah. the early 90s. He had that uh, the big uh, dome on his head. Mm-hmm. He was a scientist, uh-huh. uh, Victor Freeze, F-R-I-E-S, I believe. But Back not in a the Dr. Day, Freeze. Back in the day yeah, when every uh, superhero bad guy had to have a thematically appropriate real name yeah. and he was working for a company which i uh, you know basically uh, alcor mm-hmm. what it's called right <laughs> yeah yeah yep. he froze his wife because she was dying or had died of some kind of terminal illness right and so he was using these resources from this company to keep her alive and frozen right um and then at in some suspended point animation suspended animation the bosses come in they're like we're terminating your position. Clear all this shit out, including your wife. Including your wife. He's like, no, she'll die. And they said, we don't care. So then she's, she, she's dead already. She dies, and then he basically goes crazy. Yep. Right. And becomes uh, oh, there's a there's a kerfuffle, right? An a accident. physical scuffle, mm-hmm. and um, he has he becomes infused with these uh, what do you call them? Pro- protectants? Cryoprotectants. Cryoprotectants. Oh. Uh-huh. And uh, that's why. So he. Needs to be cold all the time. That's why he has that body suit. Right. To keep his body temperature low, because if he gets too hot, he will basically melt. He will die. 
Right. He's not a snowman. Huh. Right, right. But right. he will he will die. Yeah. So and his whole He's Frosty the villain. He's Frosty the villain. Mm-hmm. And in the cartoon, the character was designed by Mike Mignola, an oh. up and comer yeah. of Hellboy fame. Right, yeah. His personality was all very cold. Like he he'd lost his one true love, so he just talked in a monotone voice. Right. And he was like, I will make everyone freeze. Mm-hmm. With that kind of excellent Michael Ansara voice. With Michael Ansara. He was uh, Kang from uh, Star Trek, the original series. Yeah. Got it. Or, Great stuff. Or, you know, you could have like the female version like me when I walk in the office. My boss says, hey, Katie, how's this going? I'm like, I will freeze these snails today. <laughs> all right. Now, I give people the cold shoulder all the time. Does that make me Mr. Right? Yes, yeah. it does. Mm-hmm. Now, how the science works from the freeze ray gun that he comes up with, that's, I don't uh, know. It probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> also, to have functioning muscles at that kind of low temperature, it seems to me that he would just really have a hard time moving around. Well, his his suit is kind of like an exoskeleton as uh-huh. well. So he has like super strength and stuff like that from his okay. suit. So maybe that mm-hmm. helps. Yeah. Uh, so clearly he's not brittle from being frozen. No, because Batman would just like punch him and he'd shatter. Yeah. No, but you know how Batman defeated him in that first episode was because he had been Batman had been partially frozen earlier on in the episode, so mm-hmm. he was like recovering from that, and he yep. got a, he got a he got a cold because, as we all know, when you get a cold, when you get cold, you get a cold. Yeah, right. That's, that's science. That's so fact. he had like a thermos of hot soup that Alfred had given him. So he takes a thermos of hot soup and crashes it over the dome on uh, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze's head, uh-huh. and the temperature differential shatters the oh the glass. Yeah. And then he's all like, oh, it's too hot. Oh, choking. Oh, God. Oh, you would think he would have watched out for that kind of thing that people know about. Gleep, blop, glork. Killed by hot tea. Dr. Katie, thanks for joining us. This was great. Is there anywhere on the web that people can find you and your work? Like if you want people to check out the stuff that you're doing or do uh, you not want that? Yeah, no, that'd be fine. Uh, you can find me. I'm a postdoctoral fellow right now at uh, UBC, uh, mm. University of British Columbia. So you can find my work and my papers there if you're interested in reading some more of the science. Cool. I'll mm-hmm. put a link up to that on cool. the show notes, CausticSodaPodcast.com. Surprisingly warm personality. I'm not sure if I like that. <laughs> For a cryo scientist. Yeah. Well, because remember, when you make something cold, you have to pull the heat out of it. Right. Take right. the heat for yourself. So I'm actually, given all the things that I've frozen over my oh, uh, career, okay. I'm actually boiling hot just all the time. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that. We'll be back when the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you want to hear about We will Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being torn apart by rabid squirrels. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. 
Thanks for listening. Uh, that's going to be the name of my band, Large Hot Mammals. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Joe Fulgham and the Large Hot Mammals. Mm. You know, when I make a band. That implies with, you're with not that, a large hot mammal. With all that, uh, I'm not. Large. <laughs> not or large. hot for that instance. Hey, now.